Hello and welcome to episode 1018 of the Sleeper and the Bust. It is two, 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 two on a Tuesday, and we're talking catchers. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, it's that kind of day. We're talking about the number two position on on two, 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 two. Dropping the deuce on the catcher position. It is. <laughs> it is a number two position. Yeah, it is the shittiest position in <laughs> fantasy. Um, so this is what we're going to roll with, uh, so, but it's got to be talked about. has to, has to, because, you know, a lot of leagues are still two catchers and that puts a whole different spin on it. If it's one catcher, you can kind of wait. Even if you get the 10th, you're just not going to be that far behind. You can stream all season if you want to take it, take it easy. Or if you want to go big, you can go big, even in a one catcher, take Sal or something. It's really up to you. Two catcher leagues is really what we're focused on here. And that's why we're going to get deep on some folks. We did our, what is your, like when you're in a one catcher league, because I think most people play in one catcher league. Like I'm the type of person who just says, unless I'm getting a really good price on one of the elite guys, I just wait till the end. Yeah. Yeah. I I generally do too. Um, You know, I, because I, I still like who, who's the who's the tenth catcher like Mitch Garver. I'm fine with that. Like I'm, I'm not I'm not bothered by that. It could, it could be a no. handful of guys. So. It could be any number of guys, yeah. and then I can start mixing and matching. So yeah, unless I see like a Varsho, a Grandal, a Will Smith, or even one of the top two dogs, Sal Perez, J.T. Ramuto, mm. dropping, I'm not really going to jump in. Two catcher leagues, however, I want some quality, and I want probably like a top five six guy and then another guy in like my top 14 so i kind of want two of my top 14 to 17 type yeah i want probably a top seven guy and then mm-hmm. uh and hopefully maybe two top 12 guys i mean uh, that'd be great but if i can't get that i'm, I'm not but I'm also out. I'm also fine waiting. Like I, I really look for kind of the deals at the position, um, whether that's because a, a guy I really like that's an elite guy drops, or uh, I just wait till the end. Like I don't have a problem going in with like my cat, you know, going into a season with my catcher twenty three and twenty four or something like that. If that's, um, I know I know that the numbers actually bear out that that's a poor strategy. I will say, I mean, my 23 and 24 this year, Jan Gomes, Tucker Barnhart, I actually don't think that that's quite as bad because that's like a, a halftime guy in Gomes who is always pretty solid. And then a full-time guy in Barnhart who is just going to kind of, you know, give you some volume, but nothing mm-hmm. special. I start to get worried. Like, you know, I don't know if you, if you get deeper than that, like, I don't really want a, a, a Joey Bart, Eric Haas combo. Some might say, yeah. what's the difference between that and the one you just said? I mean, obviously I have those other guys ranked much lower. There is a cutoff though, where it gets, you get too deep and you are giving something away. But so my, my question for you, if you do go in with say you're 23 and 24, are you then looking to improve or if they are starters, are you just leaving it? Yeah, no, I'm always looking to improve, especially okay. a catcher. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, th- I think often what people do in leagues is they just they draft a guy and then they roll with them. Yeah. If, if I'm not rolling with an elite guy, you know, one of the top two or three tiers at catcher, then I'm constantly looking for the next kind of breakout guy. Like um, especially someone like, you know, Matt Dice, who is, you know, right now first base only but will pick up catcher eligibility he's probably going to play some 
you know, some of the field at either first or DH throughout the year. So I'm constantly looking to kind of string that position when I don't invest highly in it. I like that. Um, and I do, I do think that's a way to go. I'll put Matt Thice there on the bottom, uh, mm-hmm. bottom tier. Let's get in. Let's get into it. Um, I got this broke broken down in, in a bunch of different groupings here. They're not in full ADP order. I, I will mention ADPs over the last month in the draft champions leagues right now, because that is what uh, we're, we're getting the most of. And I think that will be the most useful. There've been a hundred, wait, hang on, hang on. That's not just draft champions in draft champions over the last month of time. And again, that's from 121. I mean, you can put in 222, but there's no drafts for today. So it's it, mm-hmm. it's through 221. Uh, there's 51 drafts that we're going off of for draft champions catchers at the NFBC. And we'll start with the studs. And these are in ADP order with Salvador Perez uh, around pick 39, JT Ramuto, pick 54, Will Smith, pick 64. Now, these three are the cut above. The next guy that we're going to talk about is kind of on his own. He's picked 94. So we're talking two full rounds away. That's why these three kind of set themselves up. Perez, Real Muto, Will Smith. Any of them in your draft plan consistently? Uh, Not consistently. Um, It's more of a matter of, uh, you know, there's kind of a sweet spot or an unsweet spot in the draft around like rounds five and six where I don't necessarily love a lot of hitters. Mm -hmm. Um. And so if I get to that point and one of them is still on the board, uh, I go, I don't really love the other hitters as much as I love getting that kind of advantage at catcher. So it, it kind of falls into a roster construction, you know, issue for me, you know, at that point, have I gotten two starting pitchers and at least one closer? Um, so I definitely want to go offense. Uh, but is there an offensive player that I really like that's going to get me speed or, or, you know, or be a real asset in all categories. So um, I have ended up with J.T. Muto a few times and Will Smith a few times. Sal Perez, I just, I never seem to be able to get at the price. It just, it's just so expensive. I, I, yeah, I mean, we talked about this. I think it was the last episode Mm -hmm. that we did together on guys we're out on. I just, I can't imagine paying, an early third or late second round price for, for a catcher, especially one who's had as much wear and tear on his body over the course of his career. He doesn't run. Like when real Muto was up there, I could get behind it because those 10 catcher steals can be so Mm -hmm. beneficial with Perez. It's that power and it's amazing power. And I do think, you know, there is some wiggle room again. I, I understand the projections and how, he can have a lesser season than he did last year, a much lesser season, and it still be worth it due to the positional adjustment. But I don't want to give up those numbers at pick 40 um, and just hang my hat on the projection saying, well, I'm, I'm still good here because I have that catcher advantage. I want to still be getting volume there. So my favorite of those three is uh, going to be Real Muto or Smith. I mean, I like those two way more than Perez at 40 because they're coming almost a round, round and a half mm-hmm. later. Haven't really ended up with any of the three that much. The next couple groups is where I start to get in. Uh, but yeah, with Perez, Ramuto, Smith, obviously you're setting yourself up well. Now, when you do get one of those guys, do you back them up with another quality guy? Or do you wait a little bit, say, I'll use some of this advantage. And then if I get Yachty as my next guy or Danny Jansen or James McCann, I'm fine with it. How do you approach it if you do get the stud catcher with your second catcher? It doesn't really change my approach a ton. I'm still willing to take another catcher early 
if the you know value is right okay um but i'm not it's not something i'm saying like i need to go get another guy so for instance in this uh draft champions that you and i are in that is crawling army crawling its way along it has uh, slowed down so say, much. we got to the 31st round yesterday so that it will it, it is speeding up now but um i got gt rumuto uh and then uh gary San- sanchez kept dropping and i was like oh wait i've already got the cushion batting average cushion from real muto and i got a little speed so now i can get some pop from gary sanchez that's a good duo um, so I definitely, you know, that was a position where I liked the price. I liked the potential upside of the player I was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I took the shot, but I also could have waited, you know, another 60 picks before taking another catcher too, if I had wanted to. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't blame you there. Um, cause there is that, that cushion that you get with real mood. You, you don't want to give away all your advantage there. And so there is a, a cutoff point where I think you can wait too long if you're then putting you know a riley adams or something as your c2 and you say well i got real muto's like yeah you kind of gave away a lot of a lot of your advantage there by not uh backing it up because now your second catcher is so bad that you're kind of back in the middle um so yeah those are the top three perez real muto smith they'll go in some order it's it's generally that order sometimes smith can go ahead of real muto but neither of those two are really jumping up ahead of perez perez is very much out in front as the top catcher. Uh, the next tier is, is by himself. It's just the potential game changer sitting there on an island in the form of Dalton Varsho. He's 94 ADP. Um, he's not that much higher than the next group, but they start to get into triple digits after that. And like I said, he's a few rounds behind Smith. So I felt like because of the uniqueness of what Varsho also delivers, he did make sense here to kind of put on his own tier. I call him the potential game changer. Um, he has catcher and outfield if you put them in the outfield you are making a giant mistake do not do that never use catchers at other positions unless it is a must a dire dire situation where you're going to take a zero otherwise so you put tyler stevenson at first Mm -hmm. or varsha in the outfield for a week or two but otherwise you're giving away so much to put a catcher other somewhere other than catcher but varsha the beauty here is that we could have a non-catching catcher carson kelly's a markedly better defender uh behind the dish so he is the A catcher. Varsho can play outfield five days a week, one time a catcher, maybe one day off, or some weeks not even a day off. Um, he could be a huge volume guy. He had the great second half that has a lot of folks excited, uh, and I count myself among them. He put up an 879 OPS with 10 homers, five steals, and 219 plate appearances. And I think people are, are bought in on – this could be the breakout season. So pick 94 for Dalton Varsho. Is this something that you can get behind? Are you, are you in on the Varsho train? Yeah, I'm a little afraid the price is going to continue to rise to the point where I'm not going to be as interested because where's your cutoff? It's a little, just a little bit higher than this. Maybe I think, I don't think I would take him as his top 75 player. Okay. Okay. Um, so about another round higher, you're like tapping the brakes. And I am afraid that he could find his way there, especially if we get any sort of news that he's looked at as a full-time player. Um, I think that is kind of the assumption. I don't know if it's the correct assumption, though. I don't Why is that? really. I just don't trust Arizona. Like Arizona, what do they have though. They have a few outfielders, right? Like they've got. Uh, Peralta, they've got Pav- your boy Pavin Smith. Peralta's a corner only, though, guy. And we have mm-hmm. show penciled in at center. Pavin Smith can play a little center. You know, mm-hmm. he's my, my guy, as you mentioned. But 
I think Varsho is the more athletic player there in center. And so having Peralta and Smith on his corners makes a lot more sense. They got Jordan Lublau, Josh Van Meter on the bench. Neither of them really check out as premier center fielder. I know Cattell Marte is there, but we got him fully at second base. There is some maneuverability where he could wind up back in the outfield. Yeah, especially if, they want, especially if they want to play Perdomo, it's short. Yeah, he's the future. They can move that Nick, might be Ahmed, late. Nick Ahmed to second base. Um, that being said, I, I think the upside is really, really nice because while I don't think Varsho is a very good catcher, uh, in, in the true sense of being a catcher, mm-hmm. um, he's quite bad actually. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's awful. Um, and this is something I've been saying for a long time. Uh, he, his bat is going to play, mm-hmm. um, and the stolen bases you get from the catcher position, I think are really, really valuable. This may be the last year he even qualifies. A I was just literally just about to yeah. say that. I think, I think next year is actually going to be the last year. I think we're going to get 20 games mm-hmm. this year, but it's going to be sub 35. I think at catcher, yeah. but it could be a hundred in the outfield though. And so, you know, the projections range from 102 to 113 games. I got to say, I think even ATC is selling him a little light for Varsho at, at 113 games, 432 plate appearances. I think he's got a real shot to pop 450 or higher because I really believe in the outfield uh, uh, playing time there for Varsho. Now, he has to hit as well. His first tour was pretty terrible in 2020. Uh, he had 115 plate appearances of a 75 WRC+. Plus. And then the first half of last year wasn't very good. We've really only seen that, that 219 played appearance second half last year that took off but he's going to be 25 he's got some pop got some speed that speed is really the game changer he had 19 and 21 steals and 18 and 19 in the minors for var show with good batting average he doesn't strike out a ton either i really really like him he's somebody that uh i'm still willing to pay even a bit more than this now his min pick is 65 you've already said you're out on that yeah i think i'm out on that too um i'm i'm a little bit more open to the seventies than, than you are. But I do think once you start going top, top, uh, you know, top 60, top 65, cause I think that min will drop. You said it could go, you know, his pick could go higher. I think a min pick of, I'm going to guess that in the main event, Varsho's min pick is 45. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm, yeah. Maybe not that high. Only I guess, because... I guess that's the end of the third. Yeah. I think, only I think because... I'll have a fourth round though. I think I'll have a fourth round. He could. Win. Yeah. I mean, people throw ADP out the window. Exactly. Uh, it's just, you know, what is the closer situation going to look like at mains? And, True. you know, starting pitching always gets pushed up. We're starting to see it happen again um, uh, already this draft season. You know, the interesting thing for me is that he had such a good second half in spite of the fact like his contact rates actually got worse. The part of it is he got more aggressive and he's super, super aggressive in the zone. Like we're mm-hmm. talking like um like a 75% or 72% zone swing percentage. Ooh. Yeah, not a zone contact, a zone okay. swing percentage. My man hacking. Um, like he if it's in the zone, in really out of the zone too, he is gonna swing. Um so I I think there is a lot of risk with a pick like this. Um, and so it kind of comes down because while the ceiling is astronomically high, like this is one of those guys going outside the top 75 that could actually return like first or second round value. 
because of the position. Especially with the, the, yeah, with yeah. the catcher adjustment, if we're mm-hmm. talking. <laughs> stolen you know. bases, he does have a lot of power, too, in that bet. Mm-hmm. It, the question is, how much can he make enough contact? Um, well, 21% strikeout last year, 11% mm-hmm. swinging strike rate. You know, so the, the, we can see strikeout range as high Thir- as 25%. 37% O swing after August 1st. So he was um, he was hacking up there. Zone contact Swing. was his zone contact percentage was uh about eighty one and a half percent. Okay, so like that's not awful, especially for no. a guy who is hacking the way he is. Um, but it's just you have to know that the floor is really low. Um, mm-hmm. and so if you aren't comfortable with taking someone with that low of a floor that early, how, in the draft, how, long, how long are you talking? I think it's back to the minor leagues. Like I, I think it's like unusable to the point where he's not going to play at all. So like go back to the 2020 line where he was like 188, 287, 366 with a 29% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate. Yep. You could see the things that were there, three homers, three steals in those 115 plate appearances, but too many strikeouts, not enough good luck with a 246 BABIP. It wasn't a huge BABIP last year either at 286. So yeah, Varsho, he's not – question free but i do like the upside here he is somebody that i'm open to taking um do you have any go ahead ahead. i I was gonna say on the on the flip side of that he is legit 2020 upside at the catcher position yes and that that's that is so appealing like be cognizant of the downside but don't let it cloud the upside Mm -hmm. and just understand that there's risk and if you're comfortable with that risk around pick 100 or, you know, closer to pick uh, 90, jump in. If you're not, feel free to pass. I'm willing to jump in, though. I think those catcher steals from Varsho playing the outfield could be so fun. It makes a lot of sense, especially if you take an elite catcher. And I, I, I'm thinking more a matter of like pairing him with a guy like Will Smith who we think is in line for a lot more playing time with a DH DH. um, is a really safe bat at the catcher position. Uh, Like getting kind of the combination of kind of that, um, that floor with the upside of our show, I think would be really, really interesting. I like Uh, double stacking catcher too. mm -hmm. Like I'm open to that and I'll pair Varsha with this, with the next guy or one of the next two. I got two steady vets here. Um, and again, so far we've gone in ADP order, but then we're going to start to veer off that. But the next two guys, the steady vets, Yasmani Grandal, somebody I take all the time, uh, going around pick 107, and Wilson Contreras around pick 117. By the way, we, we briefly mentioned Juan Go- Jan Gomes earlier. If Contreras was traded, obviously Jan Gomes would go way up because he'd become the full-time starter. So right now they have a pretty strong backup in Gomes. That's a nice number two catcher behind Contreras, but we don't know. You know, if we'd had a regular offseason, was Contreras going to get dealt? But then they signed Stroman, so I don't know where they're going. And maybe they want Contreras to get, like, some outfield work. I don't know. That's pure speculation. He has played there before, but I wonder, do you think there's any chance that – Contreras can get some burn elsewhere, either at a DH or back into the outfield a bit because they have such a capable second catcher in Gomes. And then we'll get to Grandal. It feels like Contreras is going to get traded. So you, you see trade more than than alternate positions. Uh, I think he could DH quite a bit. Okay. Um, I think he, you know, I think they could uh, use him there. Uh, he's, but he's played left, first, and third 
and right uh, corner outfield first and third over his career very briefly though left is the only thing yeah. he's like really played 219 innings out there that's a lot of innings them yeah no he, he, he played some real left field out there Wilson yeah. Contreras did I'm uh, I'm surprised by that but I mean you know Madden was there for a while so like you know he'll play guys anywhere just you know yeah. put, plays relief pitchers out in in left field just put, so puts Rizzo can... at short for fun yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he high key uh, put him at second on some of those yeah. alterations that they he, had he with gained the second setup. base eligibility. In that's right. Leagues. That's uh, right. I should have just used the actual place where he played instead of making up short. But uh, yeah, so Contreras there. Does Gomes's presence bother you at all with Contreras? No, because I think if he's on that team, he's going to play. I agree. Uh, and my guess, in my first gut reaction when they made that deal for Gomes was that Contreras is on his way out. Uh, you know, he's in the last year, last year of his contract. They jettisoned all those guys last year who were in the and last year. He was speculated to be with them, but, mm-hmm. but he just didn't get traded with, with the big three. I think they, I think they just wanted more than any team was willing to give up. So, which, you know, happens, but uh, especially if, you know, it looks like the CBA will likely include uh, or will, will likely not include draft pick compensation for free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to get something now for him. Uh, so whether it be at the beginning of the season or before the season or at the trade deadline. So I do mm-hmm. think he's traded at some point, uh, which will make Gomes more interesting once that happens. But do you, do you like drafting Gomes now in anticipation of that? Have you used him anywhere as a C2? Oh, oh, not as a C2, maybe as a C3 or 4 in a DC. Yeah, because we're doing um, DCs and you need a minimum four unless you've yeah. got three really banger ones. I, I, I can't leave a DC without four. Personally. No, you, you have to get four because the catchers just get injured. Um, yeah, that's just they so. love doing that. They're idiots. <laughs> They're called the tools of ignorance for, for a reason. Uh, anyway, let's flip back to Grandal, a favorite of mine. I uh, believe you like Grandal too, so I'm not, I'm not trying to bogart all the Grandal love. He just is who he is though, right? Mid-20s homers. And a, and a 240-something batting average. The league has shifted around him to make that batting average incrementally better year over year because as the batting average has come down, his has actually kind of you know stayed pretty solid in the, in the 240s. He hit 240 on the button last year. He had more walks than strikeouts, which for me, what's so impressive about that is that he had a 23% walk rate. Yeah. Right. Like when, when somebody has more walks than strikeouts, it's usually in like the low double digits, right? They had like an 11% walk rate and a 10% strikeout rate type of deal. He struck out 22% of the time Grandal did, but walked 23%. So obviously he's an OBP league. God, he probably goes 50 picks higher in those leagues. I haven't played an OBP league this year, so I don't know exactly, but in the batting average leagues, he's still very good around pick 107, 240, 23, uh, with 63 runs driven in, 67, uh, 60 runs scored. And that was only in 93 games for Grandal. Remember, he went bananas after he got hurt. Mm-hmm. When he came back, he just tore it up. And some folks might have gotten him off their waiver wire and uh, and you know, it might have helped them like win a main event or something like that. I can't think of anybody like specifically with that exact thing, but like, could you imagine picking up a Yasmani Grandal off the waiver wire and then winning a main event? I mean, you I, can't imagine it, but I, I, I can kind of imagine it. I, I know how much it hurt Danielle to have to drop him and then watch him go off. Yeah, uh, it, it had to be tough when people cut him. I cut uh, him in another league and, and gave somebody else the boon, yep. but I did get the boon in my main event league, and I missed out on Eloy but got Grandal, 
and it and it really really was it, yeah. it was very uh, helpful in uh, in getting me to the finish line there. But with Grandal, let me ask you: Do you have any concerns that his speed or complete and utter lack thereof? And I'm not talking stolen bases. I'm talking about just running will hurt his batting average soon. Like is he getting that that Pujolsian cutoff where he's so slow that he turns some singles into outs and some doubles into singles type deal? Not necessarily. I mean, okay. I think there will be a little of that over, you know, because that's just what happens with guys who get slower. But um, he absolutely murdered the ball last year. Just destroyed um, it. You know, uh, the fact that he only played 93 games is the only reason we're not looking at him as like, a Sal Perez type season last year. You're right. It looks like one of his run of the mill seasons, but those are run of the mills with 130, 140 games. He did yeah. it in 93. So, and I mean, you know, he had career highs in exit velocity, barrel percentage, hard hit percentage, like just tattooing he, it. He was just, you know, crushing the ball. I think he's a little bit underrated, honestly. He, I tend to agree. Um, you have him as your number three catcher. I have him as my number four catcher. Uh, I think he honestly kind of belongs in that elite tier of catchers. Uh, it's a shock to me I have not gotten him in any leagues yet. Because oh, you he haven't? Has, I haven't. Because um, he should be going higher than he is, and I just, mm-hmm. I've just i just been addressing other issues you know, at that point in the draft. But I, I think moving forward, I definitely need to make him a priority in getting because, like you said, like he's a guy who plays 130 games usually. Uh, which you can't really say that for most catchers. So on top you of, could comfortably DH him, right? Because he's yeah. so good that if a team DHs Grandal and the White Sox can definitely do, and they have other guys too. So he's not going to get all the DH run. But when he's out and they bring in like a Zach Collins or a Zebby Zavala, they don't want Grandal's bat out of the lineup. So he can yeah. get a first base play or a DH play um, regularly. I've got him twice already. I got him in the Speakers League and then a DC um, that I think I did with you, my first DC. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm that one. Yeah, I, th- I think this one was with you. So I've already got him a couple spots, and it won't be in the last two. I really, really like Grundahl. Yeah, I th- you know he's he's just a guy that I definitely need to kind of target a little bit more because I, I do think he uh, he's a bit undervalued by the market right now. Oh yeah, this was that uh, this was that Shark Tank that you invited me into. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're like, hey, do you want to come get eaten by freaking Bubba? and freaking uh gable and i mean several other guys uh well you did make it easy by having zach waxman in there which was nice i did appreciate that you made it a little bit easier there um you didn't want to to be all sharks i totally get that zach Um, waxman just the you know uh overall winner of the auction uh, yeah yeah yeah. like like, like what's he ever done (laughs) yeah right he hasn't won an overall he he hasn't won like 40 and we had the guy who he beat in there gable is who he oh. beat out. In oh, that. I didn't realize yeah. that. And they had they had a real real. T- yeah, Gable was on Zach's pod, um, and and so yeah, they were they were chopping it up there. No, that that was a Shark Tank. That was like my first DC of the year. I'm like, okay, well, you know, wh- why start off slow? Don't st- start in the deep end. Um, but yeah, I got Grandal there. But let's continue on. So Grandal Contreras, I like both. Do you like Contreras too? I didn't really ask I if do. you liked him. Okay, I do like him. I, I think he's uh, he's, he's not he's quite as your six, my seven. Yeah, he's not quite as sexy as maybe some of the other options, but I think he's just kind of a rock at the position, which is is very useful. Again, I, I, I like haven't gotten that, yeah. him. I haven't gotten him at all yet this season. Oh no, actually, I got him once. I think um, 
he's one of those guys that I think drops sometimes out of nowhere. And, and when he I does agree. that, I'll, I'll take a dart throw at him. I, I agree. I feel like he's a little bit like 117 pick. He's not forgotten. I don't want to use that word. That's the wrong word for Contreras. But like, it's kind of like nobody jumps up to get him. Like you'll see a couple of the next guys jump over him in drafts regularly. And that's when it creates the buying opportunity for Contreras. This group, I call the next ones up. Tyler Stevenson, who goes around pick 157 on average. Kiebert Ruiz, who goes 158. They go right by each other, Stevenson Ruiz. Adley Rutschman, who is the 10th catcher off the board at pick 205. And then Alejandro Kirk, who's a bit further down at 244. But these are the four young guys who a lot of people are saying, you know, they can help create the next big wave of catchers, right? There, there is a lot of young catchers coming up that we could see, you know, kind of the passing of the torch from the Grandals and Contreras's and and Sal Perez's to these guys. Um any of these next ones up, Stevenson, Ruiz, Rutschman, Kirk, primary targets for you at all? I wouldn't say they're primary targets for me. I like them all, and I would like to get them, you know, each one in a league. The only one, or actually, no, I think I've gotten Rutschman and I've gotten uh, Alejandro Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, I just typically never land on these guys in draft because either someone likes them a little bit more than me, or it's a matter of I see, especially with Ruiz um, and Stevenson, and I mean I've been a big Stevenson guy for a while. Uh, I end up seeing Kirk later, and I go, I'm just gonna wait until Kirk, and uh, and so I'm not ending up with him. I feel like Stevenson's getting overpriced. I really like Stevenson a lot. I think he could benefit from the DH. The problem is in Cincinnati, as they're currently constructed right now, Mustakis is gonna play a lot of DH, which means Stevenson can't play as much um so yeah. I, I if if the reds make a move and move someone off that infield so Mustakis could play the field you know more often i'm gonna feel a lot more confident in stevenson but um at the moment i think kirk is the one that i'm gonna end up with just because he's going later I'm fine with the with the Kirk piece there. I'm definitely not going to push back on that because I like Kirk too. And we have talked about the Toronto situation. They have three catchers right now with a fourth on the rise who we'll get into later in Gabriel Moreno. Moreno, but uh, with with uh, Kirk, Danny Jansen, and and Reese McGuire, they have three guys who are like legit starting catchers. They got to make a move somewhere because some team can use one of those guys and clear something up. Again, especially with Moreno knocking on the door, he had a badass mm-hmm. AFL. He could feasibly be ready to uh, to make the majors this year. Uh, but I do like Kirk, and I, I think that keeps his price down, which I do like too. We really started to see him hit in the second half. So I do I do lean on him, but I like Stevenson a lot. And I, I, sh- I understand your concern about, you know, that supplemental playing time. Um, I remember when Barnhart got traded, everyone's like, oh, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be bananas because now he's going to get even more playing time. It's like, eh. He had 400 play, 402 plate appearances last year in 132 games, though. You know, a lot of coming in in the middle of the game, too, for Stevenson. I think he can push 450, you know, 50 plus, 50, 60 more plate appearances for him this year. But I don't know that's going to be a ton. Where I really see growth for Stevenson, though, I think his power is ready to take a step up. I don't have metrics for you there. I, I got to be honest. Like, it's not under the hood, it's more in. The scouted raw power, which is a 65 raw, bringing it into game more as he develops. Now, this might be more of a 2023 thing for Stevenson. I'll admit that. But I'm going to bet on the come this year because I feel like even if I take 
last year as a repeat at this pick, it's not going to kill me. 10 homers, 286 average, um, 45 runs, 56 or 56 runs, 45 ribbies. I think he'll get a little bit more counting category for playing more for Stevenson, but I'll take that 286 average. But I still think there's a 20 homer season here. Dude is 6'4, 225. He has raw pop. He needs to translate it into game power. I think his second tour around the majors is going to start to tap into that power. And that's why I like Stevenson this year. And I still think he can get the occasional day at first or DH to give the older guys a day off when he's, uh, you know, when he's not catching. So I really like Stevenson of this group. I've already got him in a couple, uh, in a couple different uh, drafts. So do you think that he can hit 20 this or what is the, what are the chances you think Stevenson hits 20 this year instead of, do you think? Ooh, that that's a really good question because I do think he can. Um, th- there's no doubt about his power. Uh, we've seen him play live at the AFL, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I, I mean I, I've watched him a fair amount uh, playing on the Reds. Um, I think there's plenty of power in that bat to hit 20, actually to hit 30 home runs. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, that's like the hot take, uh, bold prediction situation. But I think 20 is what we can get this year, like pretty easy. Yeah. I, I think it's going to come down to will he make a conscious change to his swing in order to hit for more power? Because, I mean, part Give of up it, some of that contact. Because you know what his zone contact percentage was? In, it's got to be high. He has a 7% swing strike rate and, and an 18% strikeout rate. So it has to be high for Stevenson. Give yeah. it to me. 91.2. It's elite, especially That's for amazing. Him. It's elite for anybody, but for a catcher that is unreal yep but it also came with a 25 percent fly ball percentage uh, yeah so he's you know able to get the bat around quickly mm-hmm. get good contact but it's uh not necessarily power contact yeah and that that is a trade-off that would have to be made for sure i think there's a lot of wiggle room there absolutely can, you know push the strikeout rate up to like 23 percent swing your strike rate might go up a little bit more take a few more pitches that are hittable but they're not the power pitch get deeper into counts, it, it will add to your strikeouts. That's what happens it, with power guys. But then he can get some more homers. His swinging his swing and strike rate was under seven percent. I mean he's it's just nasty. Like I mean he he if he continues to do what he does and decides he's not gonna hit for, you know, twenty or thirty home runs, like he could legitimately be like a two ninety hitter at yeah. the catcher position. Um I think he will get more power. I think it's gonna happen this year. The question is where do we feel about the plate appearances? You know, I don't know if I feel as confident as you do that he's going to get 450. Uh, but if he does, he could be an absolute monster at the position. So uh, a guy I have no problem where he's necessarily going. Um, I just haven't been willing to pull the trigger on him myself, which is a huge bummer because earlier before this, uh, before this off season, I, I said like, Stevenson was going to be my guy this next year. He was my guy Barnhart, last year. And then Barnhart uh, cleared out yeah. and pushed the price way up because he went yeah. up. Uh, Stevenson went up instantly. I know you do your ADP watch. I don't know if mm-hmm. you had one where Stevenson was in it, but I bet you could time it to that Barnhart trade yeah, and he, then a two-round jump for Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Kybert Ruiz because he is similar to Stevenson in terms of the contact. That's his calling card. But is the power there? He's got more like average to slightly below average raw power. The game power is way down right now, but batting average is what you're getting Ruiz for. Like a Ruiz Grandal combo is probably 
kind of the perfect mix. You counterbalance Grandal's batting average issues, but you also get uh, the power with Grandal. So the, those two might be a super combo. What do you think of Ruiz's first full season in the majors? Going to be Washington's number one. Um, in his brief 96 plate appearances, he struck out 10%, walked 6%, had a 6% swing strike rate. We just talked about Stevenson. Ruiz is even better. Is Ruiz somebody you like this year for that catching batting average? Yeah, I, I do like him, especially if you're looking for a batting average at catcher, especially if you've taken some maybe batting average risks early in the draft and you, you know, you don't want to compound that with, you know, a low batting average catcher later on. I think it, it makes a lot of sense to go for a guy like Reese. I think he's likely a 17 homer guy, like, you know, 15 oh, to somewhere 15 to 20. That'd be huge. I think that's, um, that's kind of a call yeah. there, man. Oh really? I, I know. Uh, I know. Projections have them there. I'm kind of wondering where the projections got that much pop, uh, because they're they're kind of with you. But I feel like with this power that we've seen, uh, that feels like a call. Oh, my I, would love I, that. I, I didn't think it was. I'm um, taking him for like high, like eight to eleven homers is what I was thinking with the big batting average oh. for Ruiz. Okay, like he yeah, had 16 I, in AAA, but that's AAA PCL. Yeah, I'm thinking he's probably like a, a fifteen to fifteen to I, seventeen I with like a two seventy five batting average. Oh, I would, I would um, love that! I would love that. Maybe I'm short on the power production. I'm go, again. I'm going off kind of the the, the scouted power here. Thirty game power, forty five raw, and I guess we saw a lot more power in AAA than I realized because he hit twenty one sixteen with the Dodgers AAA five with the Nats AAA. Um, so he had both leagues, right? He had the international or whatever they're called now. I think they're all they're different now. But like mm-hmm. we know that the Dodgers is is in the PCL with more hitter friendly parks. But a 269 ISO and five homers and 85 plate appearances in Washington's AAA is still pretty good too. So maybe the power really jumped up this year, and uh, I missed the boat there. Only a 136 ISO in the major league sample. So I'll bump it up a bit from that single digit area to low double digits. But if he hits 15 with that big batting average, I think Ruiz is going to be a beast. Yeah. I'll, I'll I, take I, that all day, man. That's Stevenson. We just said Stevenson. Mm-hmm. If, if he doesn't have the power jump, then he's going to be a 280-15 homer type. Ruiz is pretty nice there too then. Yeah. All right. I, I like Ruiz. I, I like all four guys in this group. I did get one Rutschman share. And um, was it in our triple play league or was it in I do the not speakers know. league? Let me look real quick. I think it might have been. The it was. Season. It was the triple play league. Oh, was it? Okay. Grandal. I went Grandal Rutschman. So here's the thing. I generally am cautious about catcher prospects, right? Because they don't really pan out that often. Um, they're a a a switch hitting badass catcher prospect in Baltimore. Well, what can go wrong there? That's never failed. Oh wait, Matt Weeders. <laughs> but here's the thing. Did Matt Wieters actually fail, or did he just fail to live up to the lofty expectations? I mean, his first year, he only played 96 games, but his first full year was 2010. He had 249, 11 with 55 and 37 runs. I don't know where that ranked for catcher in 2010. That's the tough part. But then he had three straight 20 homer seasons with good ribbies and runs, and Matt Wieters was like pretty good for a while. So I don't, even, I don't want to bog down in comparing him to Rutschman. They're not the same, but there is that little bit of weeders in my head when I'm getting hyped about Rutschman, like, oh, I got this hyped about weeders. 
He looks ready, though. He's got amazing plate skills. He hit 23 homers with a 285 average, 75 ribbies, 86 runs in 123 games at double and triple A this year. He, you know, had a brilliant record at Oregon State. Everything screams that Rutschman's ready. The thing that kind of sold me as to why I would actually go ahead and, and grab at least the one share that I have is that generally if a rookie catcher is going to get and it was an arbitrary cutoff, but I think it was 350 plate appearances. I think I should have had the numbers and I apologize for not having these at the ready. I think it was seven of the 11 in the last decade that have gotten at least 400 plate appearances were plus bats. So over a 100 OPS plus, because I was using uh stat head. And with that, the other guys were all, in the, like the 90s or even high 80s. Like they didn't bottom out. Nobody was like terrible if you hit the 400 plate appearance mark because that means that they were trusting a catcher to get like a full season of work. And so I think with that in mind, Rutschman doesn't have to be that great to be worth it. Like he goes off as like the ninth or 10th catcher picked. Well, if you look at ATC's projection, 245, 254 batting average, 14 homers, 49 ribbies, 50 runs, a couple steals, and 421 plate appearances. That checks in at 11th um, uh, in the ATC system. So you're not too far off if you're taking him ninth or 10th catcher. And that's not an egregious line for Rutschman, is it? Like, that doesn't seem like a, even a breakout. Like, that seems like he held his own pretty solidly. So are you taking the Rutschman plunge? And I will keep it specific to draft champions to give you the easy out because then you don't have to wait for them. You're taking four catchers anyway. Is a draft champions Rutschman pick something that's on on your mind right now as you're as you're doing these drafts? Absolutely. Or is he just out? Yeah, okay, absolutely. He is in for you. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. I've I've taken him uh, in one league so far. Uh, I don't have any more DCs. So, uh, ah, your DC in, pool the, is done. Yeah, the question is now: Will I be willing to take him in a traditional Fab League, where you're going to have to burn one of your reserve spots on a catcher for the first month of the season or so? For the um, first, we don't know exactly. I think I would be willing to do it, depending on the price. Um, but I, I think there are going to be a lot of people who are very scared to do that. Uh, just know that if you do that, you can't take the gamble on other guys that might not be up. So no Bobby Witt Juniors. Um, O'Neill Cruz, I don't think, is locked and loaded to be an opening day guy. I so think O'Neill Cruz will be, but uh, I don't think he's not locked. We don't know for sure. Yeah. But I, think I, I, I think he'll be up at the very I, I think he'll maybe get the, the 11-day cut, whatever that first yeah. period is. But, you know, he did briefly play AAA O'Neill Cruz. Um Quick thing to close the loop on my numbers there. 11 guys have had at least 400 plate appearances as a rookie catcher since 2010. Six had a 104 or better. Four more were between 91 and 94, which is not too bad. If you're like a 90-something OPS plus as a catcher, I know we don't play with OPS plus. Uh, I, you know, that, that was Jesus Montero hitting 260 with 15 oh, homers. Man. Not too bad. Jordan Pacheco in Colorado hitting a 310 mm. average. Only five homers, but 310 average and seven steals. JT Real Muto hitting 259 with 10 homers, eight steals with a 92 OPS plus. 
JP Aaron Sibia hit 219, but he did hit 23 homers with 78 ribbies. So his 91 OPS plus wasn't too bad. And even the guy, the 11th guy was James McCann, who had an 88 OPS plus, but he hit 264 with seven and 41. And he wasn't even that hype. So people probably weren't even in on James McCann mm -hmm. as like a fantasy asset. So if a catcher gets 400 plate appearances in like the last decade, they're usually pretty good. The team has determined that they're ready to come up and handle the role. And I think Rutschman is damn near a lock to live in this range here between like the 95 to 110 OPS plus with the chance to be much, much better. And and just so you know, Matt Wieters was the 22nd catcher in 2010. Okay, so that was that's not good. That's not good. No. That's not good. Uh, but then the next three years after that, but you don't want to wait. That So that was his 96-game call-up and then his first full season, and then it was three seasons of good. So he took a while, and then he completely fell off after that. Um, all right, so we are in on the Rutschman. Uh, we're mm -hmm. open to doing it, and I'm, I'm, I I uh, am in lockstep with you. I am open to it in a standard league where he's going to have to be on my bench for a little bit. So then you have to draft a third catcher. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do there then? Are you going to draft somebody who's like pretty good? Or do you just take a bomb and, and let that replacement value be there for the first you know month or few weeks? Like how, how do you approach that third catcher if you do take Rutschman in a league where um, he's just going to be one of your reserves? Um, I mean, you're, you know, you're talking about guys who are not very good probably anyways. You know, I, I'd love to get like a Francisco Mejia. Someone like that. Yeah, um, okay. So some upside potential. You know, uh, but I also want someone I know is going to play some, right? Yes. I want I, I want it. I mean, the whole purpose of drafting another catcher is so you can accumulate stats. So um, I might sacrifice upside um, and even go for a guy like uh, Martin Maldonado, who's going to play a lot. He's not going like to be good. What about just getting like Yachty to plug in? That that's taking a third catcher higher in the draft, I think, isn't it? Yeah, he's picked three oh six. I mean, that's 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 expensive. Martin Maldonado is five thirty six, so yeah, you know, he could be like your last pick, but he is going to start. You're right. So if you just try to if you're just trying to spike some accumulated points, mm -hmm. um, yeah, mo most you know. likely it's going to be a last round catcher. Okay, okay, and I, I I think that's probably the right way to play it because if you draft too good, what happens if and we haven't even said who the fictitious other catcher is on mm -hmm. your team. What if all three are good? Rutschman comes up and then you have two good ones. You don't want to cut Elias Diaz mm -hmm. and, and you're using that yeah. draft capital. So I, I think the right move is to then go cheap and at least yeah. go get a, a Ryan Jeffers or a Jonah yeah. Heim, like one of those guys yeah. that you can easily drop, um, but also could be should, pretty should be decent. Playing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, I think Jacob that Stallings, is, yeah, it's going to play every day mm -hmm. and then you can cut him. You're not crying about cutting Jacob yeah, Stallings. Exactly. So, okay. Yeah. I, I mess with that. I mess with but that. All, also someone, cause I mean, you know, in the range of outcomes with a guy like Rutschman is he goes down to AAA for that first couple of weeks and gets hurt. And now you are stuck with that second catcher or that third catcher so for a while. So be like, okay with that. You don't, yeah, you don't want it to be someone that either doesn't play or is truly atrocious. Yes. Um. So, like, you know, you you definitely want to be smart about the guy you pick. Don't just be like, eh, who cares? It's only going to be for two weeks. Yeah, because you we, don't know. You we, don't know. I mean, remember, like, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and, you know, before his call-up, like, right, he was only going to be down for two weeks, and then he got hurt. 
you know that's uh, right that's so, right and it took it just a few extra weeks there and yeah. people were just waiting and waiting mm-hmm. no that's that's a great call out so maybe you don't go bottom of the barrel you go with somebody you know a guy that i think i would do it with is my boy luis terenz my non-catching catcher uh he's picked 373 i think he's gonna hit for some power gonna play a lot of dh um because he's an atrocious catcher i wouldn't be averse to taking him with my rutchman um and then kind of see how it goes once Rutschman comes back up. Yeah, even like Tucker Barnhart, like his Barnhart, guy, Barnhart's gonna play every day. Yeah. You know, or you know, we gonna miss Sundays. He's gonna miss once a week, but he is the full time guy in Detroit. He's not in any sort of split as far as I can tell. So okay, that's the Rutschman. And then give me a favorite then between Stevenson Ruiz, Rutschman, Kirk. Who who is your absolute favorite? Is it just Kirk because he's cheapest or yeah it's yeah. Kirk because it's cheapest. Um like if we're if we're talking from a true talent standpoint, I think it is Stevenson. Um okay. You know, he's he's up, he's ready. I think there is if there is a path to 400 plate appearances, I think he could be an absolute monster. Um, all, all these guys are interesting. I would not pair them together. Agreed. So Agreed, I it, because there is I mean, a lot of questions. Like yeah. I'm not trying to go Stevenson Ruiz there because um, it, it could blow up in your face. Yeah, like I, I have a league uh, that I did the Battle of Podcast League where I paired Kirk um with Joey Bart, and I do not feel very good about that situation. Um, Understandably, so uh, it just the way the draft fell. But I tell you what, th- this leads us into our next tier because if I get one of the next ones up, the four that we just talked about, I like to pair them with one of these guys. I call these guys the power players, and uh, it's Mitch Garver who goes pick one ninety nine. We'll, we'll call it two hundred because it's one ninety nine point five seven. So we'll call it pick two hundred. Travis Diarno. Who goes to 230? Sean Murphy in Oakland, 253. Elias Diaz, the aforementioned Colorado Rockies catcher at 248. Mike Zanino, he will not be the pick for me, but he's 280. I have to include him here. And Gary Sanchez, who you already mentioned that you have some shares of, 274. So these guys all deliver big power. Um, most of them are the full time starter. Garver is, is still fighting with Jeffers because Garver's not a good catcher, but. Garver can also get some DH run pretty consistently and even some first base run because they don't have Cruz anymore. And yes, they can put Donaldson at DH sometimes too. Like they have other guys they can put there, including Kirilov, but also Miguel Sano at first. There are avenues for Garver to get some supplemental playing time. So I, that's why I still included him in this group because I think he can match their playing time just a different way. Mm-hmm. So these six power guys. You've already mentioned having some Gary Sanchez. Is this a group that you are uh, intrigued by as a whole? Yeah, this is a group where I'm usually getting one or even two catchers sometimes. Yeah. This is my most commonly shopped in tier. Um, Let's go in order then as as I have them listed. Garver. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with me that he's kind of getting overlooked for a rebound season last year? Um, Yes and no. Like I, I mean, he's I the ninth he's, catcher, so I don't want to overstate it, right? Yeah. He's, it's not like he's buried, but I'm a little bit surprised that he doesn't track more like behind Contreras. Remember when he popped off, he was like the number two catcher. How many games did he play last year? Like 50-something? 56, I want to say. 68. 68. So but That's the problem. He always does it in small stands. Even the breakout year was in 93 mm-hmm. games. You know, I mean, the hard part, especially, you know, these ADPs are from DCs. And what do you want in DCs? You want play volume. appearances. You yep. want volume. You and you don't necessarily know that you can get that. Now, 
Nelson Cruz is gone. We don't expect him to be back. So there mm-hmm. is an opportunity for him to DH some, uh, maybe even play first base if they decide Miguel Sano is going to DH more. And his um, health. You know, Donaldson, Sano, and Kirilov's health are the three guys that are blocking him, and they all have their own issues yeah. uh, staying upright. The problem is there's still three of them. True. That, true. That's, I mean, that, that's, a, lot. that's, that's a, lot. a lot of bodies. Yeah. And they're all good. Yeah. Like they're, when they're yeah. when they're healthy, they're they're all above average. Hit. Even Miguel Sano, someone who I have my issues with in terms of the batting average and everything. When he's going, he's going, and he's a premier power bat who the team is going to play. He's 29 years old, so yeah, you're right. It's it's three guys there. Um, that's a good call out on Garver because he has been a small sample god. Um, mm-hmm. Only needed 359 plate appearances to hit those 31 homers in 19. Only needed 243 last year to hit 13. So you're right. Uh, maybe he isn't being overlooked. Maybe he's being pro- properly given a little bit of caution because of that. I, I mean, there are drafts where he drops quite a bit. I think he is more uh, palatable when you're playing in a league with uh, a good amount of IL spots. Yeah. Because uh, especially one catcher formats, like he's, kind of the perfect guy for a one catcher format because he's got plenty of upside you can throw him on your il when he gets hurt you just move on to the next guy um but like you don't have to pay for him like you know i mean he's going around catcher 12 or 13 or no he's a catcher nine he's catcher nine but i think in one catcher leagues he does go cheaper i think guys like rutschman um even travis darno and vasquez generally move above him i don't know if you've done a catcher battle royale yet by the way great I have not, and I will not, because NFBC works on two catchers and every other oh, side. Oh, yeah, so it makes no catcher. sense. You're right, uh, you're right. But I, I do have the uh, ESPN. Uh, Where's Garber going over there? Catcher ADP. He is going, oh, my God. Um, going as a 19th catcher off the board. So, like, if you're playing in a go. place like ESPN or Yahoo or CBS, and you're especially if you're in a one-catcher league, but obviously even if you're in a two-catcher two league, that all day. That he is a great gamble. Um, yeah. So, uh, because, you know, if he gets injured, you can either throw him on your IL if you have room, or you can just jettison him off your roster and go for the next guy. Exactly. Um, so, I'd actually be more likely to get a guy like him on a league like that than I am in NFBC, where you have no IL, you have limited uh, reserve spots. And, and um, you can't always cover the missed time because it's not always injury right like yeah. some of it's injury but some of it is just he sucks at catching but then they still need to play donaldson and so previously uh cruz uh so they don't have a spot for him so he just gets these days off and maybe he'll get yeah. in a pinch hit at bat later so you can't always make up for that volume in the two catcher nfbc format so yeah I, I think it's a great call out on on garber i think if people are thinking that he's gonna volume his way into being like uh a really, really nice pick. I think they're making a mistake because they're going to want to play Donaldson at least one or two days a week at DH. They're going to want to play Kirilov at least one or two days a day uh, a week at DH, um, you know, to protect him after that wrist uh, injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be other guys, you know, Buxton may get days at DH just to protect him. So uh, I think that that, while he will get more at bats at DH, it's not going to be enough to overcome, uh, kind of his uh, his his uh, his lack of days at catcher. And, so and Je- Ryan Jeffers is a markedly better defensive catcher. Yeah. Too. So so um, I I this is not saying I'm out on Garber. I have drafted him, uh, but it has to be at the right price, and I do prefer 
other guys in this tier. Uh, I like uh, I just kind of messed around with my my catcher ranks while we were talking and moved Elias Diaz above him. Okay. I think that's uh, and, completely fair. And, and honestly, I'm probably going to drop Garver down even more. Okay. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's out of pocket to do that. I still have him as my ten. I'll, I'll see about updating. But um, the the points that you make about the volume, especially, are, are very fair with with Garver. Let, let's move into the next guy then, because Travis Diarno is a little bit of a small sample king himself. Uh, injuries have ravaged his career, but he's had some spikes here, uh, namely in 19 and 20 when he was a, a plus hitter last year, he fell off 78 WRC plus with seven homers in his 229 plate appearances. Is the 33 year old going to rebound and be worth the 12th catcher off the board at pick 230? How do you feel about Travis Diarno in Atlanta? I think he could. Um, I've never been a huge fan, man. Here's the problem with Darno. Uh, I mean, was it 2020 that was great or 2019 that was great? 2020 was great. Uh, 2019 was great. 2020 was soft. Or no, no, I haven't flipped. 2019 was good. He was a 100 guy uh, WRC plus with 16 homers and a very nice 69 ribbies. Remember that was spread across three teams. He went from the Mets That's to right. the Dodgers, but then really broke out with the Rays. They said, okay, thank you for your services, but you can go now. He goes to the Braves in 2020, pops nine homers with a 321 average, good for a 144 WRC plus in 44 games, but then only plays 60 last year because injuries cropped back up again. Yeah, and, then, and that and that is 78. That's a big issue with him is he has been injured pretty much his entire career. Like mm -hmm. he, all he does is get injured. We know that there's a ton of talent in the bat. I mean, he was a former top prospect. He was part he was of an elite the prospect. He was part of the uh, was it the Dickey trade? Was that right? Am I remembering this right? I believe the, you are. Um, he was part. Of, he was part of a big trade uh, between the Blue Jays. I believe it was the Dickey trade. Yeah, um, I think he might have. He might have come over with uh, Cindergard. Yeah, yeah, um, he did. It was. It, he was yeah. with Thor. He and so, Thor were the big pieces yeah, it, there um, uh, for Dickey. But he's just not been able to stay healthy. He's also traded for Roy Halladay. From, from Philly oh. to Toronto. So, like, to go back to your point about how, it, for people that might have forgotten or just not realized, TDA was supposed to be a G. Yeah. Um, and so I like him as a, like, in a best ball league, I, I'm actually pretty interested because I think on a per plate appearance basis, he can be really good. Mm -hmm. I just don't trust him in a traditional style league because I don't trust him to be able to accumulate plate appearances. Um, so, uh, he is likely not going to be on any of my teams, especially now that the Braves have Ozuna back who will likely occupy the DH more days than not. Like there isn't another path for him to get more, as many more plate appearances because of the DH. So yeah, I'm probably not going to end up with Darno on, on any, on any teams. Same. It, it's just not, it's just not somebody that I've ever really gotten the warm and fuzzies with. Uh, for drafting and now Manny Pena is a pretty pretty solid backup I mean he only hit 189 last year but still put up a 95 WRC plus because he had quality plate skills he probably Manny Pena probably deserved better than his 162 Babbitt so he's a capable backup um they also, also have, have William Wilson, yeah, William, yeah William Contreras who's Wilson's brother there who, who played a little bit last year so they have options if TDA is not healthy and they will move on so mm. I don't really take him either 
Um, I probably have him. Yeah, I'm 17th at, at catcher right with you. We both have him at 17, which is pricing us. We're saying that we're not getting him. Yeah. What about Sean Murphy in Oakland? He came up with a lot of fanfare. He is a, a high-quality prospect, um, not just for his hitting, though. He's, he's a quality catcher, and that's a big part of why he would pop up on prospect lists pretty high. But uh, his first two stints were really nice. They were small, 60 and 140 plate appearances, respectively, in 19 and 20. But he was an above-average hitter in both of those, flexing a lot of power. Well, he finally got a full-time role this past year, 448 plate appearances. The power dwindled, but he was still basically a league-average guy. He hit 99 WRC+. plus. It was a 216 average, but 17 homers, 59 ribbies, uh, salvaged the season a little bit. Where do you come out on a 27-year-old Sean Murphy? Does he jump back up, or was 2021 kind of who he is? Yeah, you have to remember, too, he came into the season recovering from a collapsed lung. That's right. Um, and so I kind of throw out a little bit of the of the 2021 season uh, from like a power perspective. Like I think there is more power in that bat. Um I, you throw my, it out in terms of saying like this is not who he is. Yeah, I don't say I think this is who he is. I think he's better at contact than than he showed last year, uh, and I do think that there's legit twenty plus homer uh, power in this bat. Mm-hmm. The problem is he may be that Will Smith gif where he walks in at you know on the French Presbyterian and everything's already been sold out of the house and he's looking around like he may be that guy in Oakland that walks into the Coliseum and it's like. <laughs> Oh, hey, it's just me here. Oh, me uh, and Tony Kemp. Sweet. And yeah, this may be the worst lineup in baseball. Um, if it, they get rid of the mats, yeah, it will be. Yeah, it, it's going to be if they get rid of Ol- Olsen and Chapman. So uh, as much as I kind of like Murphy, and that means he'll be in a great spot in the batting order, probably True. hitting third or fourth. Um uh, I think this team is going to be so awful around him, and it's a bad park to hit in. Uh, so he's a guy that I, I'm not taking off my draft board by any uh, stretch. Uh, he's also not really a target, especially in this tier, because uh, I'm just worried about how bad that team is going to be around him. I think that's fair. I think that actually might facilitate a, a little trickle down for me, because I'm a I, Murphy guy. I had him very high at the beginning of the season, or at the beginning of draft season. Uh, and have uh, dropped him down to nine and probably should. I'm going to drop him down to probably the Mitch Garver area, Mitch Garver, Adley Rushman area, about 13, 14. I think, I think, that's, I think that's fair because, you know, that will affect the counting categories, the piece you're talking about, about, you know, no, nobody being there in Oakland for him. And he might not hit 216 again, but he's not got a ton of upside there. Even in the two good years, he hit 233 and 245 in those small samples. He strikes out a lot, goes for power, but does take his walks. Better in an OBP league for Sean Murphy. I like him, but I agree with you. I'm not bending over backwards for him. Um, this is a guy who I swear, and I don't know how this is physically possible, but I swear this happened. Elias Diaz, in one of my leagues, I forget which league, was on the waiver wire every week. And every time I did the last two weeks, he had hit eight homers. How did he have eight homers in every two-week period and yet still only wound up with 16, 18 on the season? I don't know how that's physically possible, but I assure you that for 26 weeks, you know what was crazy? Even when I looked him up in the first week of the season, he had had eight homers in the last two weeks, which was crazy because they hadn't even played games, Justin. It didn't make sense. Uh, But jokes aside, I never picked him up. 
Maybe I should have because he just kept doing well, and he did have Colorado there. But where do we come out on Elias Diaz, who did have that 18-homer breakout at age 30, 246 average, so you know Coors could only do so much. Although it's not because he swung and missed a lot. He might have been unlucky. He only struck out 16% of the time but had a 249 Babbitt. Is there batting average upside for Elias Diaz, or is he one of those heavy fly ball guys? Eh, it's not crazy. It's kind of a one. I answer my own question. Sorry. He's a kind of a one to one. But where do you come out on Elias Diaz? He'll be 31. He's still in Colorado. Is he somebody who's on the rise, or did he just have his career year, which was a 92 WRC plus? Uh, no, he is someone on the rise. Um, you know, and this is the opposite of Mitch Garver and Sean Murphy for me. Um, in terms of, I had him really lowly ranked coming in. And now you tripled season. him up. Um, yeah, one because I start my ranks before the end of the season. Yeah, so I'm typically I typically have my first run ranks by Labor Day. So like I can't incorporate all of what happens in the second half in in my first run ranks. You are wild um, for that, by the way. I, well, I I, I want to be ahead of everybody just because I don't want to be influenced as much by everybody. I, I think that's um, fair. I totally get that. And what he did in the second half was make a distinct change to his approach. It led to an 88.7% zone contact percentage. Whoa. Um, and he was swinging 77% of the time in the zone. Wow. So like he was swinging a lot in the zone and making a ton of contact. Uh, and it, I mean, it led to just, you know, a 274 batting average, um, 11 home runs in the second half. Uh, and this is something my comment section in, on one of my catcher uh, ranks articles pointed out, and I was like, "Okay," and said, I was hey. like, "All right, I've got to go do some some digging." And uh, yeah, he he changed the approach, got more aggressive within the zone, uh, got more aggressive just in general, but uh, got especially in the zone, uh, and it paid off. And you know, he's he's definitely aided by Coors. I don't think he is sure. like, naturally a two seventy hitter, but like I think he could legitimately hit two eighty. Uh, with twenty plus home runs, and so I'm, I've I've been moving him up and up my boards. Uh, I think I have him at catcher twelve right now. I'll have to double check. Uh, I have him at catcher eleven right now, and honestly, he should probably move up into the top ten. Okay, so Elias Diaz getting a nice big Justin Mason bump here, and. I I respect then, it. There he goes. He, he I, I'm putting him at nine. You're doing it. Yeah. I, I think I'm in on that. I think I really am. Um, I'm moving him up right now. Let me see how high I can. You know, I still have that soft spot for Max Stassi, but I might need to chill on that. I, I, I do too, but I, I, I've got Stassi at 15. It's just, he's older. And he, like, he, he's, he's coming off of injury. Yeah, he's always he's coming in, off yeah. injury. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel you on that. All right, I'm I'm moving. I'm moving Elias up quite a bit because I had him pretty low too, and I I'd been sleeping on uh, on exactly what he did last year. Here, let me put this in in the uh, in the sheet, and you'll see where my new rank is on Elias Diaz. I'll just tell you it's going to be 13. So I'm moving him way up from where I had him. I had him quite low though, so that was that was on me. But I've uh -huh. remedied that. I want to say I had him outside of my top twenty coming into draft season. So, so, yeah, yeah, I had him twenty-one. So now, uh, uh, now I got him at thirteen. I still got Garver and Murphy, but I'd say Garver, Murphy, Diaz is a trio of sameness. And like you were saying, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to persuade you to move him ahead of Garver. Okay. Um, volume. 
Just he sheer had, volume. I yeah, think that's... He, he had 194 plate appearances in the second half. The Rockies used him quite a bit as a uh, pinch hitter, which gives some credence to the idea that he could actually get DH time in Colorado, you know, when he's not catching. Uh, you could see him have kind of a, a you know, kind of a, a career season in terms of plate appearances, which that batting average, batting average is really valuable at the catcher position. I think he's a top 10 guy. You have sold me. I, I still am 11. I'm an Omar Narvaez honk. I'm going to flip him. I'll flip him. I think you should. Oh. I, I like Narvaez too, but I think there's, I think he's going to lose out some playing time now that they're Severino. I like Narvaez as a as a batting average guy, like you said, but Diaz has the power and the coolers protecting him. Milwaukee's a good place to play too, but Narvaez never really has much as much pop. He's more of a batting average guy overall. And uh, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm doing it. I'm getting on this. I'm getting on this Elias Diaz train. I I think I was biased against him, um, playing a little ageism there. But catchers, mm-hmm. you really shouldn't. Like they break out. Absolutely. Like, they take they take time, and he showed he showed some flashes back in Pittsburgh. Remember when he was first kind of coming up, and then when he went to Colorado, obviously that you couldn't get a better park move than going from mm-hmm. Pittsburgh to Colorado. So yeah, I got him top ten. It's done. I like it. Good good sell. Good sell. All right, uh, who else is in this group? Okay, Mike Zanino. I mean, you know how I feel. Like there's there's obviously a big meme with him and and my dislike for him because he cost me big on that uh, on that batting average bet with Dusty. When I suckered him into making a batting average bet on Mike Zanino, and then Mike Zanino somehow hit 251, which was higher than if you added his batting averages up for his first four years. Uh, okay, it doesn't quite work out that way, but he'd hit 214, 199, 174, 207. Dusty Wagner, our, our, our psychotic friend, thought it'd be a good idea to just burn $50 with like a 230 or 225 over under. Of course, I'm taking that all day. He'd never come close to that. And he hits 251. Fuck you, Mike Zanino, you prick. I would be so nice to him if I ever met him. But uh, you know, We I'm should talking, get him on the pod. I'm talking big shit right now. No, honestly, if I ever did talk to him, I would bring that up and hopefully have like a fun laugh about it mm-hmm. because uh, obviously I have no disdain for Mike Zanino as a person. Right, I don't know anything about him. But uh, the, the meme is Paul Spore cannot stand Mike Zanino. 33 homers. Yeah. Has a lot of people saying, I got to get some Mike Zanino, though. I think it was just high end variance. I don't you're think wrong. he's changed in any way, shape, or form. You're, you're absolutely wrong. Try to sell me because he still hit two sixteen. So yeah, I don't he's see it he's, with gonna, he's he's gonna swing and miss, and there is gonna be some variance in terms of how many homers he hits year to year. There's gonna be a ton of strikeouts. The batting average is gonna suck, but the power is legit. You oh, look at oh, wait, 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 before you go in your case, then I've never said the power is legit. He hit twenty five. You know, in that mm-hmm. two fifty one season, he hit twenty. But you're saying that this new like 342 ISO has some credence? I do think it does. Okay, I mean, go you, ahead. You, continue. You look, exit velocity numbers are among the best in baseball. Uh, the barrel numbers are among the best in baseball. He he has definitely unlocked something in this swing. It like I said comes with a lot of batting average downside. So sure, I think, sure. You're, I think you're, if you roster him, absorbing that. I think if you rot, like he's the perfect person to pair with Kybert Ruiz, right? Ruiz isn't going to get a lot of power, but he's going to give you some batting average safety. Then you can then afford to sacrifice on a guy like Zunino. So then you you end up getting maybe two guys who are 20 plus Homer power, uh, you know, together. Um, 
with a batting average that is, you know, not so bad, 240, 250, depending on, you know, how much Ruiz can can bring it up. Zunino's been seeing the ball, and this is not just a this year thing. Um, You know, this has been going on for now two seasons uh, at an elite level. Uh, I mean, um, like we're talking about among the best of baseball. So I know you hate him uh, because, you know, he kicked your dog or something like that. No, uh, come on, dude. Yeah, how, do you, how do you hit 251 after never hitting over 214? He may be crazy. one of those guys that really um, gets going by, you know, the bulletin board material. And when Dusty posted Oh, he knew about that, our bet? Yeah. yeah, when Dusty posted that you know, bulletin board material. He was like, you know what? I don't know who this spore guy I'm is. I'm this pencil neck geek. But I'm I'm going to pretend that the seams on a baseball are actually the mustache <laughs> on his face. And I am just going to rocket this ball out every okay. chance I okay. can. He did. And then he yeah. went right back to 201 the next year. But still yeah. 20 homers. So I, I don't deny the power. I really don't. Um, so if you drive Zanino you need to have the batting average yeah. catcher first. So do you come in with that plan with the Ruiz or Stevenson or, or Kirk, a few other guys who do batting average, even, even I think Omar Narvaez is not a bad Zanino. So do you come in planning that or do you happen upon it in the draft? Like do you I mean, set your catcher strategy coming in or do you just, I'm going to let it, I'm going to no. let it play and I can go a lot of different roads. Yeah, I, I I do not have a set catcher strategy coming into a draft. I'm I'm not like you know our, our good buddy uh, Bat Flip Crazy Toby, like he he has a set catcher strategy. He is targeting a Sal Perez or targeting a Gigiro Muto. Is his boy, yep. Early, um, I'm not that way. I happen okay. upon catchers, and you know you can. I remember having a conversation. I think it was with Rob DiPietro on his podcast. Uh, might have been last year or the year before. I can't remember. Uh, and he's like, I'm looking at some of your teams because we'd been in a lot of the same leagues together, um, and they all had different catchers. I was like, that's because I don't have, you have no plan. I have no plan. Like I, I to me, it's like I'm going to take what the draft board gives me a catcher. Is he, so, is he putting dossiers together, a la our previously aforementioned boy uh, Zach, Zach Waxman? Are you, are you familiar with uh, with what he does? Apparently, he has like detailed dossiers on, on his draft competitors. Is I do too. Following suit. Oh, you, oh, so this is a big thing now. Everyone's doing Yeah. I guys got time for this shit. I've been doing this since 2019 okay. um, and I joined the NFBC. Um, by the time I get to my main event, I have every single main event draft board. Um, show, me, show me my dossier. It's really, really thin. Like me. Yes. Yes. I don't know whether to take offense to that. You should. It was meant to. I, I don't. Okay. I've won a league and you haven't. Ouch. And I won't hold that over you. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go easy here. I'm not even going to try to be creative with a burn. I mean, I won last year. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that you and I get into the same main event league in I Vegas. I would love that. I uh, would love that. Ha- Have you signed up yet? No. I will today. All right, there you go. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, okay. We need to pick up the pace, or else we're gonna be here all day. We're not gonna talk about everybody and all the rest of these years. Gary Sanchez, though, you already have him. Um, you mentioned one share, the league that we're in. Is that the only one that you have so far? No, I, I, I mean, okay. So you're I, you're in on on Big Gary. What what are we looking at here? I mean, obviously, I, I, I think he is who he is at this point. Okay, so nothing I mean, nothing under the surface that you're like he's gonna bird blow no. back up to where he was i mean there's you know the once you show a skill you own it right you know true, the, old, the old baseball hq outage but but he um, had close to that 278 from 20 yeah no for quite a while I, i'm taking the power 
if I need power at that point. Um, and, and hoping maybe I get lucky in the BABIP and, and which leads to a little bit higher batting average, but ultimately, um, yeah, I just want the 25 home runs. I'm going to get a good lineup in a good lineup. Yeah. Hope something. Okay. That's fair. I, I don't think there's too much more analysis that needs to be done. I agree with you. He's, Gary Sanchez is essentially, uh, and is who he is kind of guy. What you see is what you get, but there is still that little tinge. He is on the right side of 30 of you know everything coming together again health wise babip wise and maybe not all the way back up to the 278 or 299 of his first two seasons in 17 and 16 respectively but like a 250 and if you got 25 250 out of gary with good counting categories mm-hmm. he's a top five catcher so yep. that's that's a five percent thing i'm not saying that that's the 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 goal but it could happen so okay um and you know I'm I'm listening on Zanino because you know the really interesting thing about my my hate for him is I adore him in MLB the show. He's a god because yeah. power cards like that, even if they have low contact for those that play the show, um y- you can still be a god if you make enough contact. Um and Zanino is so it's funny how he's much a, I love also, him in the show. Also a very good catcher, like an yes, actual catcher. And that's so. that's a playing time thing. You didn't yep. even hit on that when you were selling him. He's playing. Yeah. Uh because he plays brilliantly, calls games. Great arm, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll move him up a little bit. All right. Let's go to the full-timers here. We just recently dove into the Christian Vasquez thing. So go to the previous episode. Yeah, we disagree. Full breakdown there. We disagree, yep. uh, but you get a full breakdown on Vasquez there. And then there was an interesting tweet furthering your side about yep. the hitting metrics. And I I do grant that because it's, it's, it's a fact, right? It's just the fact of his profile. I think for me with Vasquez, last thing I'll say is I, I just don't think he needs to do that much more to still be a solid catcher where he's going. And those incremental steals carry so much weight that yeah. he can do like a 10 and five and it's fine. But anyway, we, we, we spoke about that. I don't want to belabor that. I'm not trying to take a cheap shot or anything like that. Um, our cases are well laid out there on the previous episode. So the full timers, Vasquez, Omar Narvaez, Carson Kelly, Yadi Molina, James McCann, and Max Stassi, if he's healthy, I included him here. I probably could yeah. have included him in the power players, to be quite honest. Um, he can play every – he can be a full-time catcher if his body will allow it. Who's your favorite of this group? Let's let's do that. Ooh. Um, it's probably Stassi. Um, yeah. But I – like, I have a really soft spot in my heart for Yadier Molina, and I think he's going way too late. Like he, like he, he just gets pushed down every year, despite kind yeah, of continuing just, to just be. He just racks up plate appearances, which is great at catcher. Like you mm-hmm. know, because they're not bad plate appearances. Um, so like he's racks some batting average too. Yeah, right. So he was uh, the tenth catcher last year, Justin. Yeah, I know. Why so is like three hundred. He's a guy that I end up landing on quite. A, I actually I like this tier kind of a lot. Uh, Omar Navias is a guy you and I have both been in on yes, for, for a while. Um, you know, Stasi when he's healthy is great. I, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, McCann was being overdrafted last year and, you know, and I said that, um, now I wonder if he could be underdrafted a little bit yes. and, and offer some value. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that maybe some people, uh, prorated him out to be. From the White Sox when uh, from he the White Sox like numbers huge batting average with with the pop, yeah. But I think he can be very very useful, uh, especially in your you know as a kind of low end C two. So I agree with the uh, you know we we invoke our favorite line from the 06010, The hate has gone too far. Yeah, I think it has. He's the twenty fifth catcher off the board. James McCann is at pick three twenty one. 
I think that's kind of crazy for somebody that has a full-time role that has shown the kind of batting average capability that he has in his past. Now he's only had a career 246, but again, 246 yeah. is not bad. He hit 232 last year. The homers were only 10. He got off to a brutal start. Hey man, going to the big apple. It's a transition for some folks. Lindor, I think too. Um, and I'm not expecting McCann to get back to where he was in 19 and 20 with the White Sox, where he combined for 25 homers and 587 plate appearances with the 276. But I would take like mid-teens homers yeah. with a 250 average. Yeah. Yeah. And I that'd be great right. yeah. where he's going. So um Narvaez is my favorite. Uh, or Stassi, one of those two. But I'm back in on McCann, and I agree with you on the Yachty call up. I like this group a lot. If I'm I, taking, I, my... I like Carson Kelly too. Like, yeah, Kelly let's on talk a Kelly. let's talk Kelly. Um, Kelly on a per plate appearance basis is actually really, really good. You know, he injury derailed him last year. He was having a brilliant yeah. year, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he would have had a monster season had he stayed healthy. Uh, just and, and he was one of those super unlucky guys. Like it wasn't like it, it's kind of injuries you get playing catcher, right? Like, exactly. It, what you were saying earlier yeah. about catchers in general, because yeah. wasn't it a foul ball off his toe that broke? Yeah, it, if twice, I recall correctly, twice I believe, and yeah. then I think he got a fracture in his wrist or something like that. And then he just came back, and even yeah. with, with the injury still, and they said, "Well, we're just going to let you play." Yeah. Um, um. So if he's healthy and can stay healthy, like I think he could be uh, actually really good. Like I think out of this grouping, he may have the highest upward mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like being able to vault himself up, like maybe two tiers. He had a two sixty average, eight forty five OPS, and eight homers in the first half. Cratered after that, yeah. six sixty, two twenty one, and five because he was hurt. But he was yeah playing with multiple broken bones. Yeah, um, he, he played through injury, and that's what you get. You get yeah. a much lesser iteration. But I like Car- I love this tier. I'm really seeing how much I love yeah. this group of. of this this of is one of the reasons why I am okay waiting. If you aren't willing, if you aren't able. People aren't willing to pull the trigger on early catchers. Like, I have no problem just double dipping in this tier. I'd take two of these. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. Or, I would go Narvaez Kelly. There, there's, you know, guys in the next tier that I really like as well. So let's go into that. This is the rest. These are the kind of cutoff of guys who are going to be playing in the bigs with some pretty guaranteed time uh, to start. The the last group called the potential. They've got potential to, to go up, but these guys are kind of set. Joey Bart in San Francisco, Eric Haas with the Tigers as uh, could also get some supplemental non-catching work. Danny Jansen in Toronto, Austin Nolan, San Diego, Jan Gomes with the Cubs, Jacob Stallings in Miami, Jorge Alfaro also with San Diego, but has some potential to maybe play a little outfield mix in, maybe get out from behind the dish. Luis Terenz, I already mentioned non-catching catcher for sure because he's dreadful behind the dish. And Tucker Barnhart in Detroit, uh, Terenz in Seattle. Who do you who do you specify? You said you like a few guys here. Who who are you liking in this tier? Yeah, I, I like a lot of guys. Um, you know, it, maybe it's some homerism, but I, I have watched a lot of Joey Bart, um, and I, I know people are like, "Oh, he hasn't lived up to his potential." I think there's some real potential in this bat. Let's dive um, in a little bit deeper here because I'm I'm hearing that too. Like, I did not. I thought we'd see a. a, a a wave of interest for two catcher leagues, like nothing crazy, but like a wave of interest once Posey retired. But all I'm hearing is Bart slander. Yeah. It's like, um, I like nobody likes Bart. And I feel like these are from people who've never watched him play. They're okay. just looking at the, the raw numbers and going, I don't see anything here. But you watch him play. 117 plate appearances. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, exactly. Um, and disjointed plate appearances, right? And mm-hmm. you have to remember, too, like he broke his thumb in Arizona Fall League. And, you know, he's had some like kind of weird injuries that um, have 
kind of uh, stalled his development. Plus, he had Posey in front of him. He was never going to get, you know, enough Full burn. appearance. Yeah, you know, for him to get comfortable at the plate. So, um, uh, I, my guess is they are going to move forward with him as the number one guy and, and Casali. Casali there as kind of the veteran leadership and, and to kind of, you know, measure him a little bit and uh, kind of ease him in. Um, you know, when when he barrels the ball, it it just screams out of there. Um, uh, and so I think that there is, it, you know, there there's going to be some variance in, in the outcomes, right? But I think there is a, a, a real chance he could be like a 20-plus homer guy with a decent batting average in San Francisco uh, where, you know, if he is hitting the ball, he will end up DHing a lot on his days off. So, so that's um, Joey Bart yeah, with, with the Giants there. I got to say, by the way, first off, uh, we got about eight minutes. I, I I had a harder out than I thought I forgot about. Uh, no worries. Uh, something. But uh, Eric Haas, I'm going to go anti-homerism and say, I don't think I'm not drafting him. I have zero interest. I oh, I, I have interest just because he's going to play the field, too. I don't think he is. Oh, really? OK. I, I think I don't think he's very good in the outfield. And I think they have guys. So, I mean, he OK, I don't think he is enough to matter. Is what I should say. Not that he'll never play the outfield, because then the second he plays the outfield, I'm gonna get a tweet like you said he would never play. No, I don't think he's gonna get enough. But do not get a Austin Exactly. I think by doing Grossman in the corners, have him locked out. So um, you know, Victor Reyes is in center, but Badu could move there, and and then maybe you talk about opening up the outfield a little bit. He is the backup catcher, so there's gonna he's gonna play some. But you're talking about a guy at age 28. Came out of nowhere, popped 22 homers with a 231 average, was dreadful down the stretch. Like, just absolutely putrid, uh, you know, in August and September when people needed him after they were relying on him. He hit four total homers with like a 208 average in the final two months of the season. He had the nine homer July with a 265 average. So much of his work is confined to the two month run of June, July. I just don't see it with Haas. I don't even want him as a C2. I say avoid. Okay. All right. Um, you know, just kind of wrap up this tier real quickly because I yeah. know you got to run it up. Uh, I'm interested in Austin Nola and I'm interested in Jorge Alfaro, but not until they trade one of them. Fair. I assume, I assume Nola is going to be the one who's traded because they just traded for Alfaro. Alfaro. And they still but, got Compensano lurking, who we're going to get into. And, in and Victor team. Caratini. Oh, my God, yes. Jeez. So, like, you know, this is – I think Compensano could get traded. I think Austin Nola will likely get moved uh, as well. So, I think it gets worked out. Um, and then maybe um, Alfaro is actually the really interesting one because I think he might play more than we expect him to. But um, I, I I need a little clarity before I'm going to overinvest in in either of those guys. I think that's fair. I, I still like Nola as well, but I agree that like, can we get some clarity on on what's up with the playing time there? But he is the 26 catcher off the board, so even without the clarity, it's not crazy. I've mentioned Terenz a bunch. I'm just going to keep saying it. Dude hits for yeah. a ton of power, and he's just going to be power at non catching catcher. I like it. Um, all right, the potential tier. MJ Melendez, who you put me on a few episodes ago. People can listen to that. Francisco Mejia, who you briefly mentioned earlier. Jonah Heim, who was one of my uh, one of my gold digging gems picks from last episode. Ryan Jeffers, Gabriel Moreno, 
Cal Raleigh, Luis Comenzano, Riley Adams, and Austin Allen. Uh, Adams is in Washington. Austin Allen's in Oakland. Comenzano in San Diego. Raleigh in Seattle. Moreno in Toronto. Jeffers in Minnesota. Haim in Texas. Mejia in Tampa Bay. And Melendez in KC. Figure I should say where those guys play because these are some deep, deep names. You put me on Melendez. He had 8 billion homers last year. And they might try to find him playing time even with Perez there. Who else do, really jumps out to you here in this tier? Um... I mean, I really like Jeffers just because Garver is injury prone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and, and Jeffers is exponentially better yeah. defensively. Uh, Austin Allen's interesting. If maybe Sean Murphy gets moved, if maybe it's not Sean Murphy by himself, maybe he gets, you know, he's entering his arbitration years. Maybe uh, Oakland doesn't want to pay those. And so he could, he could move. Austin Allen would become much and more. I had some Austin Allen love previously too like because he can hit yep. for some pop he He's hasn't really pop. shown it at the major league yet but I, I i agree with you on austin allen uh haim is interesting because i think he's going to catch more days than not yep um that's about it i, I know jason really likes cal raleigh okay but... that's good because that's exactly where yeah. i was going is your concern tom murphy yeah it shouldn't be Probably not, right? Yeah. So Cal Raleigh is like a legit prospect, right? He got called mm-hmm. up last year. Nothing to write home about in his sample. In fact, quite awful. 35% strikeout, 5% walk, 47 WRC plus, and 148 plate appearances. So that's kind of washed out there of how bad that was. He was so much better in AAA, though, in a damn near equal sample. It kind of shows you the 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 up and down of Cal Raleigh. He hit 324, only struck out 13% of the time, hit nine homers, even chipped in three steals. Uh, something he ran a little bit in 19 to four four steals in 82 games at, at high A. I'm not saying that that's a major component of Cal Raleigh's game, but switch hitting catcher uh who's who's got some athleticism. I'm kind of intrigued by him because my boy Terenz is not really going to take the catching role. Like I said, he's a non-catching catcher. I think he DHs, plays a little first, maybe catches once in a blue moon just to get Tom Murphy or Cal Raleigh off their feet. But I think Cal Raleigh has some upside. What's Jason been saying about him? Oh, he's just mentioned that he's been kind of a target for him, especially in DCs. In DCs, Um, I really like him. So um, I probably need to do a little bit more digging. Um, so if you're uh, a pedigree guy, right? I I, I do. Mm-hmm. I like, I know some folks don't care about pedigree. I do give some credence to pedigree. I think he's a legit prospect who we have not come close to seeing the best of yet. He's going to be 25. I don't think Tom Murphy's got a stranglehold on the gig by any stretch. Health has been a major reason for that. He's a 31 year old who's solid, but unspectacular in Murphy. And then, like I said, Terenz can't actually catch. So I think Cal Raleigh does have some some viability. I like him in AL only as well when you need two catchers because that gets really thin there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I say take a look at him. What about going back to San Diego? You mentioned how you like Nola or uh, Faro if they get moved out of there mm-hmm. and Carantini's lurking. So are you fully out on Luis Comenzano this year then? I think he's going to be part of a trade. Okay. Um, so I, I think he could – end up in a better situation where he could get full-time playing time. Uh, maybe they, you know, do that to address other areas of need, either in the bullpen or uh, in, uh, uh, in the other aspects of their lineup that are a little bit weaker on the bottom half. So um, I 
Don't expect him to get much playing time in San Diego, but he could get it somewhere else. Yeah, like it's not quite the same caliber of catchers as Toronto, but San Diego getting a little flooded there where you're just like, how does everyone play? Alfaro can play a little outfield. Nola can ostensibly play a little infield, but are they going to do that or are they just going to have a log jam at catcher? Um, and then the last guy, Matt Thice. You briefly mentioned him earlier. He is not catcher eligible, but give me a re- give me the rundown of why you have some some Matt Thice love. Yeah, he he is. I think going to be the backup catcher to Stassi, who you know, like we said, Stassi has had injury issues pretty much his entire career. This is a former kind of top prospect. He was their 16th uh, overall pick right. um, uh, for the Angels um, as a first baseman. Uh, but has worked his way back kind of or through the minor leagues now as a catcher. Uh, 17 home runs in 101 games last year with two stolen bases at AAA with a 280 batting average. Um, also, also posted a 13% walk rate. Um, if Dossie can't stay healthy, uh, you can see Dice really uh, kind of emerge kind of as the guy at catcher. Um, he also could work his way into some sort of first base or DH mix on the days off for Walsh or days off. You know, the problem is he's left-handed though. So they're um, not an obvious. So he's, he's not a, like a platoon guy, which would, I mean, if he was, if he was a righty, that'd be great because Walsh is awful uh, against left-handed pitching. It would but be, it'd be perfect. He would be playing not the short case. side so, with Walsh. But he is the, he is slated as the backup catcher right now. And there was an yeah. article at The Athletic about a month ago uh, Sam Blum did a Q&A, and, and Thice was the, was the top question there. Like, can he do it? And, uh, you know, there's a quote from Perry Manassian saying – He's really opened our eyes, and we, we, we think that he could possibly be that backup catcher for us, which, you know, because of Stassi's issues health-wise, it might be more of like a 55-45 catching role, especially it if Dice really takes to it. So I like this call out a lot. It's a guy that you take in like a DC very late, and he doesn't have catcher eligibility right now, but he should get it pretty quickly. So I like him there, but we do have to wrap up. Uh, I am getting my phone call from a radio spot, but Justin, great speaking with you about the backstop, uh, and we'll do more previews next week. Take it easy.